The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. I'm in the midst of a series titled, What Are You? And it is based upon the book, What Are You? by Amelda Shanklin. I have requested of all of the listeners of this show to get the book, What Are You? Um, you can purchase it. Uh, you can find it online and on in a PDF format. I even posted it on my um, Facebook page, Truth Transformed with Reverend Galen McDowell. So there are many ways to get it because I'm only skimming the surface of this book. This book has so much information, so much knowledge, even though it's a small book. It's a thin book. It's not a lot of pages. This book is better than some 600-page books I've read. So make sure that you get the book, you read ahead. I'm teaching it chapter by chapter, so it makes it really easy for you to figure that out. So that being said, you know, I want to make sure that I do allow you the greatest opportunity to grow, to evolve, to work with these principles, to be able to ask questions. You know, some of you all call me. Some of you all email me. Some of you all reach out to me through the uh, True Transforms Reverend Galen McDowell Facebook page. However it works. But when you are actually reading along with the material that I'm giving or with the explanation I'm giving on some key points of the chapter, it allows you to grow and evolve. All right. So on page 39 begins the chapter titled Your Consciousness. And it states that consciousness is direct knowledge or perception of an object, state, or sensation. And that's her very simple definition of consciousness. Consciousness is direct knowledge or perception of an object, state, or sensation. You know, uh, there are many ways people define define consciousness. Some people define consciousness as awareness of being or the totality of all your ideas, thoughts, Feelings, emotions, beliefs, and the, you know, superconscious, conscious, and subconscious mind. There's so many different ways of looking at it. I do like awareness of being, but, uh, you know, but I think we need to be open and looking at the term from different angles because there is no real definition for consciousness because it's an aspect of the 
invisible you. What we can do is get close to it to try to get a grasp on it. As I tell people all the time, where is consciousness? It's everywhere. Where is consciousness? It's nowhere. You know, you know, as she wrote in the book in one of the earlier chapters, you know, the brain is the tool of the mind or the consciousness. It's not where it is. It's the, it's the receiver of the, of, of the divine impulse. But anyway, I don't want to get into that. Page 39. She writes, consciousness may be of that, may be of that of which the senses cannot report. You may be conscious of fear, courage, hate, love. So in other words, consciousness doesn't necessarily mean that you are aware of something that's tangible. Consciousness has to do again with your own thoughts, your own ideas, your own feelings, your own beliefs, your own emotions, your own attitudes, your own memories. Those things aren't tangible. And what she's basically trying to get us to, to realize is if you're conscious of a thing, then it's real to you. It might not be real to anyone else. And I don't mean real from the metaphysical of metaphysical real. In other words, permanent, enduring. I mean real from the standpoint of it's in you you are experiencing it. Going over to page forty. She writes, a group of related thoughts is spoken of as a consciousness or as a state of consciousness. The consciousness is designated according to the character of the thought group. So in other words, we have a consciousness about many things. Whatever you know about a car is your consciousness of an automobile. Whatever you know about your particular occupation or, or you know, or craft or, you know, hobby. Is your consciousness of those things? Have you ever watched a sporting event and you didn't really understand the rules? So you're watching it and you're seeing the same thing, the same activity, but because your consciousness lacked some know-how on how the game is supposed to be played, you don't necessarily know what's going on. You'll have people watching football and trying to figure out why they're doing what they're doing or playing basketball and wondering why they're doing what they're doing, et cetera, et cetera. So when you don't know, you can see activity, but you don't necessarily have a great awareness of it. So whatever you have an awareness of, uh, your consciousness functions at the level of your understanding of what you're perceiving or experiencing. Now, moving on, page 40. Groups of related thought form about every topic that your mind considers. There are two distinctive groups with which you have to deal with when you take up the work of governing your life. One of these groups is called the material consciousness. The other group is called the spiritual consciousness. Now, what she's saying basically is, you know, and she's simplifying it, that normally we're thinking from the human material point of view. Or we're looking from the spiritual principle point of view. When I mean principle, I mean spiritual principles, universal law, divine mind, the activity of God, knowing that we're a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. So there's the material consciousness and then there's the spiritual consciousness. And she explains that she says on page 40, the material consciousness consists of a group of thoughts associated in a way that keeps the material aspects of life foremost in your thinking. In other words, the things concerning what your body, what you, what, what your ego wants, what your sensations, desire, etc. Now, she's not saying there's anything wrong with that. Let's be clear about that. There's nothing wrong with the material consciousness because your spirit, soul, and body. So not to have any awareness of what is needed at the material level of life, I would say isn't wise. The question is, is it dictating your life? The question is, is it suppressing spirit? The question is, does does the, the thoughts of the human sense of self override, run over, and and as I said earlier, suppress your spiritual consciousness. So she goes on to say, your material aspect of life is your total knowledge of knowledge concerning body, earth, 
human endeavor. If you rely on this aspect of life, your consciousness is material. So in other words, you don't acknowledge the spiritual. For you, the totality is what your five senses can detect. The totality is what your belief system says is real and isn't real. The totality of what you accept is based upon the world's wisdom only. Then she writes, the spiritual consciousness is a group of thoughts that present the spiritual nature of life. Your spiritual aspect of life is your total knowledge concerning God, Christ, spiritual endeavor. If you rely on this aspect of life, your consciousness is spiritual. Now, here's the key word. She keeps saying rely. If you rely, if you rely, what are you relying on? Are you relying on God or what your five senses can detect? Are you relying on the presence and power of God working in and through you as the Christ? Or are you relying on what the world says you are? Race, gender, age, economic status, education, etc. And I'm not saying, again, that any of those things are wrong or bad or anything like that. It's all good. The question comes into play is what? aspect of you is in charge all right so she goes on and says one of these groups may engage your attention at one time the other group may claim your consideration at another time at the time in which the material group holds sway you are in a material consciousness when the spiritual group dominates you are in a spiritual consciousness if the total appeal of the material group exceeds the total appeal of the spiritual group, you have a material consciousness. If your spiritual thoughts are numerous enough, strong enough, and yoked snugly enough to outface your material thoughts, you have a spiritual consciousness. So I guess the easiest way to say this is material or spiritual, one is dominating your thinking. What state of consciousness is dominating your thinking? Okay, when things come up, when the bills come up, when the body's not feeling the way it wants, it, you think it should feel, when people are not behaving in a way you think they should behave, when the world's appearances are giving you a bunch of feedback that you don't consider, quote unquote, all good, where do you go mentally? Where does your feeling nature go? What do you believe? What are you perceiving? How do you see it? Because that will determine whether you're functioning primarily out of a consciousness of materialism and not materialism like money, materialism meaning human form, matter, or the spiritual. So she goes on and says, your knowledge or perception, excuse me, your consciousness is your life. Your knowledge or perception of objects, states, or sensations is the world in which you live. That is key. Your knowledge or perception of objects, states, or sensations is the world in which you live. You live in your mind. You live in your thoughts. You live in your feelings. You live in your beliefs. You live in your perceptions. You live within your particular context or paradigm. Because your consciousness is your life. So if this is how you see it for you, that's the way it is. You know, you see this in politics where someone says this person is the best thing since sliced bread. And another person uh, sees the person as, you know, evil and, you know, and they use an old church word to antichrist. Now, how can that be true for the same person? Because the belief system is dictating. And that's what we have to be clear about. The belief system is dictating. it. Now. Back to the book. She writes, you are encompassed by what you see physically and mentally. You live in a 
small, mean world if your perceptions are small, mean. You live in a large, generous world if your perceptions are large, generous. Your mental realm is as definite as your physical realm. You live in your consciousness. Let's think about that. The ment- You live as much in your mental as you do your physical. See, the thing about it is we recognize this physical body. We recognize the things that go along with, you know, needing to eat, needing to sleep, going to work, going to school, taking care of the family, doing the things that we do physically. But realize your mental realm is as definite as your physical realm. Just as real. Just as real. And I can remember talking to some graduating high school students who were on their way to college. They were having some type of reception. And I said to them, when you go to school, and this will be for many of you the first time you'll be away from your parents. I said, I'm not really concerned about you not being able to keep up with the schoolwork. I said, you all are sharp, young people. I said, my only concern is the emotional stuff, the perceptions, the making friends, influences on your life. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you dating? Um, Because those type of things normally are the things that throw people off going to school and, you know, you know, young ladies, you know, getting pregnant or young man getting someone pregnant, someone being exposed to, um, you know, alcohol and drugs and things of that nature. Again, hanging out with the wrong crowds, hanging out with people who are not necessarily going to school to class rather because they're too busy partying they go to the school or they're in attendance but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're you know there to learn they're there to party sort of like um you know it was a movie years ago about a guy who he was like 30 years old and he was still in college he never left and he was still like a junior or something like that but i can't remember the name of it right now but the point of it is this I was trying to let them know that the things that trip you up in life are the mental, emotional things. You know, it's that person going to going to, to college and then they go through that first heartbreak. Can you get past that and stay on your goals? Going past that, that, that first situation or circumstance where you might experience failure, what the world calls failure. And can you get past that and keep going forward? When people might disappoint you, people might betray you. Can you get past that and go forward? Why? Because you live in your consciousness. And this is the, the, what trips us up in life is what's in our consciousness. You know, because sometimes it pops up in situations and circumstances and you say, Oh my God, I didn't mean to react it like that. But because you didn't deal with the thoughts and the beliefs that you have in your consciousness, then when it comes up, when it erupts, it might erupt in a way that in a very unconscious way, but because it's in your unconsciousness or subconscious, when it pops up, it's too late. You know, all over the news for the last couple of days, they've been talking about this football player. Striking that young lady, um, you know, like a professional boxer. It was in his consciousness. Now it's too late to pull that punch back. Somewhere along in the mind, it was okay to do that. Doesn't make it right. Some people have beliefs that they never act on until they do. But when you act on it, then it's hard to pull those actions back because there are repercussions to actions. Now, With that, we're coming up on our first break, and I want to make sure that you have the opportunity to call in if you have a question. So let me give you the number, 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. 
Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could transform your finances and energy level? Go from lack to lots, from low energy to high energy. What if it only took five minutes every day? Would you do it? Shift your patterns by listening to Jane's daily inspiring and life-changing messages. Join her global community online at www.ultimateprosperityplanners.com. Prosperity Jane, your personal prosperity cheerleader. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, For Unity Classic Radio, words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Uh, again, I'm covering the book, What Are You? by Melda Shanklin. If you have a, a question, please call in to 888-558-6489. Again, 888-558-6489. I want to mention again that this show has a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. So please go on, like it, share it with other people so we can get the word out about this show. I do want to remind you that um, this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. And as you have freely received, please freely give. If you are listening to this show live or later on the website, on a podcast, via iTunes or Stitcher, um, make sure you go on the Unity Online Radio uh, website, click the donate button, and allow the spirit to move you to be able to support what we're doing. You know, one of the things about new thought and metaphysical uh, churches and parishioners is unlike many of our other religious brethren, we're not necessarily out there trying to quote unquote save souls. You know, we're not, we're not in an eternal fight. So people sometimes don't have the sense of urgency to make sure that this message gets out to the world. It's like, well, it's all good. People will get it when they get it. But the thing about it is they get it when we give them the opportunity to present this message to them. Think about what this message is meant to you and allow that to be your gauge to support Unity Online Radio. If you attend a local church or a group that teaches the spiritual principles of oneness with God and how your consciousness can transform your life and universal spiritual principles that speaks to your spiritual wholeness, make sure that you support it because we are the ones responsible 
to get this message out to the world, not just the ministers, not just the practitioners, not just the teachers, but all of us. If this message, this new thought message has helped you, then help someone else. Help someone else. Be a vehicle through which this message can bless someone else. And how do you do that? You do it by financial support. You do it through volunteering. You do it through supporting the local ministries or the national ministries or the international ministries. But you support it. So that's just me on my soapbox for just a moment. We get back to teaching the book. But this message means so much to me. And I think it's important that we don't just take it for granted. You know, so back to the book. Page 41. The things of which you most commonly and most ardently think become your consciousness. So in other words, what I'm consistently thinking about was dominating my thinking becomes my consciousness. Now, not the totality of my consciousness, but that which dominates it. In other words, how I view, perceive, or see life. Now, that's key. How I view and perceive or see life. Now, because we have different states of consciousness based upon um, many variables, you can have, for instance, a consciousness where that's, that's pretty tight on money. We can't get this relationship thing right. Because you have some dominant thoughts about and feelings about what it means to be hooked up with somebody. You have some expectations. You have some beliefs that might not necessarily work well with others. I don't know. Or you may have some beliefs that continue that that continue to put you in or attract situations and people that devalue you. Something to think about. If the same type of people keep showing up in your experience, who is the common denominator? That's something to think about. Reverend Ike, uh, you know, used to say, I meet no one but me. I meet no one but me. It's the same type of people over and over, over and over. Same type of significant other, same type of spouse, same type of uh, co-workers, same type of friends, same type of jobs, same type of money situations. What's the common denominator? Who is the common denominator? So if you want it to really change, you have to change your consciousness. You have to change your consciousness. That's key. Hopefully that makes sense. Now, back to the book. Page 42, right? He, she writes, you are either disintegrating or fortifying your present consciousness. You are developing the consciousness which your trend of thought indicates. You can develop any consciousness that you think is for your greatest advantage. Mind is always the maker. So you're either building up your present state of consciousness or you're tearing it down. If your present state of consciousness or, or what I mean by that, your dominant way you view, see, or perceive life isn't working for you. It's time to disintegrate it and build up a new one. What are the tools for doing that? Uh, denials, affirmations, those are type of affirmative uh, declarations. Denial are no prayers. In other words, that which you are saying does not have power over you. Uh, and then there's affirmation that which you are you're declaring to be already true in spirit and you're aligning your mind with what is already true in God. There's forgiveness. There's study. There's meditation. Which obviously leads to practice. 
these things help you to develop your consciousness toward it or in a direction that you desire. So in other words, if you radically shift your consciousness, you will radically shift your life. All right. Okay. Page 42. If your consciousness seems to be balanced between spirituality and materiality, watch your reaction when a crisis occurs. If at the crisis your thought leaps to God as your deliver, deliverer, you are building a consciousness that will be so highly protective that it will disperse assault against you before assault can be organized. That's something to think about. If I know who I am in spirit when someone or something in my experience is trying not to be in my experience for my highest good, then I have to know no weapon formed against me shall prosper. We have to know that a thousand can fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. We have to know thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We have to know that. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It's a knowledge. It's a knowing. It's working with it. Working with it. And what ends up happening is when every time you align your mind with the spirit of God in you, through you, as you, when quote unquote crises occur, you strengthen that state of consciousness. And when you turn to the human way of thinking, to the ego way of thinking, to the personality way of thinking, you weaken your spiritual consciousness. Now, you don't weaken the spirit because you can't weaken spirit, but you weaken your perception, your awareness, your knowledge, your understanding of spirit. Because your consciousness is your life. All right. Page 43. In choosing the consciousness that you mean to cultivate, ask yourself these questions. Is God or materiality powerful? Does God or does materiality give peace? Will God or will materiality provide a field for unlimited development? Now, for me, as I'm reading these questions, the thought that can't, that's coming to me right at this moment is this. What is my understanding or concept of God? Because that will determine how I answer this. Now, you know, I was preparing for this, you know, last night. That thought didn't come to mind. But I'm thinking about how uh, our concepts of God many times get in the way of our demonstration of our good. Because we have a concept of God as some big person up there, somebody up there likes me. Uh, You know, we have this concept of the universe being something separate from us. Oh, you know, the universe bless me. Okay, like there's a you and then there's a universe. Or there even there's a divine principle or divine law and then there's the you we're all one we're all the expressions of this one intelligence one mind one power one source one presence that we call god no separation so our concept of god will determine how we answer these questions because some people will tell you how strongly they believe in God is the one presence and one power, but they can't stop smoking or put the drink down. And I'm not knocking that. All I'm simply saying is one presence and one power, one presence and one power, one presence and one power. That means nothing else has power and there are no other presences except for what we believe. And because even though we're believing a lie, Because our consciousness is our life. Life is consciousness. We have to live what we believe. So even in the midst of, and I'm not saying 
or, or picking on people right now who smoke or drink or whatever. I'm using it as an example because we all work on something in our life that we tend not to be as, as strong as we would like. So it's not to beat anyone up. It's to say whatever your thing is, know that it's not a power. It's not a power. It literally has no power over you. Now, if you believe it does, then you'll act that way. But it doesn't. It doesn't. Even Jesus facing what the world called physical death told Pilate. You can have no power over me unless it was given to you by my father. Now you can say, well, Pilate had Jesus crucified, which is true. And he still had no power over him. Now, that has to land for some people. Because for some folks, Pilate won. But did he? Jesus recognized even to what we call physical death. You still have power over me. Even if that illness, quote unquote, physically made someone take their make their transition, it still had no power over them. Over the spirit. That's the key over the spirit. And I know this might land differently. It might be someone out there listening to this right now that's going through some type of illness, going through a harsh situation. And they're saying, well, how could you say that? I'm saying that the truth about who you are as a spiritual being is that you are one with God and God is the one presence and one power. Therefore, no human experience in and of itself has power over you. That don't mean you won't go through stuff, but it isn't a power. And if you can recognize the one power and presence in that experience, you will be free of it. Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So known truth frees. You shall know the truth. There are people right now who are are saying they can't live without somebody. You know, there's one song that when I was growing up that people used to sing, I call it the stalker song, where the woman says, I'm not living without you. I'm staying. You're going to love me. That song is ridiculous. If you all remember, she's like, and you, and you, and you, you're going to love me. Because in her, that song is based upon a concept of need that this person can't be whole without the individual that she's singing about. Obviously, it's a song, but the song resonates with people because that's where people are at. When Gladys Knight sings, I'd rather be in your world than without you in mine. That's the midnight train to Georgia. That's what that song is about. Says a lot about how we believe that we're not whole in and of ourselves. But no person, no situation, no experience, no belief has power over you unless you allow it. One presence. One power. Then you can answer the questions about do you really believe that God is the power in your life? That God, if God is the health in your body. If God is the supply in your bank account, wallet and purse. If God is the peace in your soul. If God is the love in you that allows you to attract people who love you correctly. That's what it's about. Now, we're about to come up on our uh, last break. So again, I want to give you an opportunity to call in and ask questions if you so desire. I love to hear from the people when they call. 888-558-6489. 888-558-6489. Also remind you that you can go to Christ Universal Temple's website, www.cutemple.org or www.cutemple.org and watch 
old services. We have you normally have like the last three services on our multimedia uh, link on the website. You can learn about other interesting things that we're doing here at Christ Universal Temple. You can also go to uh, uh, www.ufbl.org to find out some of the things that's going on in the Universal Foundation for Better Living. Uh, we're up to some good things. We're doing some good things. So we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Reverend Paulette Pipe's voice has been called mesmerizing, the sound of spirit expressing in soothing honey tones. If you're one of the loyal listeners who tune in each week for her program, Touching the Stillness, you already know the power of her meditations. If her programs leave you wanting more, purchase one or both of her meditation CDs, Touching the Stillness, her first CD, and the newly released Resting in Stillness. This latest CD combines Paulette's alchemic voice with an original score by pianist Kelly Hunt and will transport you to a place of divine peace. Enliven your meditations with Reverend Paulette Pipe as your guide and take her soothing voice and peaceful presence with you wherever you go. Get your copy today. Go to www.unity.org and then click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on Shop at the top of the page. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm on page 44 of the book, What Are You? Imelda Shanklin writes, you know that you have the power of mind to produce any change that your consciousness demands, uh, demands. So in other words, you have to take control of your thoughts. Don't let your thoughts take you where you don't want to go. Don't let your feelings take you where you don't want to go. You know, and I realize, you know, that sometimes when I say this to people, you know, people want to say, well, I want my feelings to be acknowledged. Fine. Feelings being acknowledged does not mean that your feelings should be in control of you. Two totally different things. In other words, you you know, you know, sometimes when you don't have control of your emotional nature, you can behave like a clown. In other words, anger just takes you there without logical thinking. Sorrow just takes you there. Depression just takes you there. It's not balanced. Thinking and feeling should have a balance. If they're properly balanced, you don't have to result to emotionalism. You can function from the feeling without the feeling having to dominate you. You can experience experience it completely in the moment, in the now, without necessarily taking you where you don't want to go. And you know, I'm I'm sure there are metaphysicians out there that that will disagree with me, and I've had discussions with them about this particular subject. But I don't back down from. Don't let your mind take you where you don't want to go. Reverend Ike used to say it best. Tell your mind what to think. Tell your feelings how to feel. Tell your body how to react. And when you allow your feelings to just carry you, and see, see, that's the thing, carry you. Because here's the key. If you can't 
stop it, you're not in control. Anything that has anything to do with your mind, thoughts, feelings, whatever, you should be able to stop that thought and think another thought. What emotion does, because emotion has so much energy involved in it, is that once it starts to go downhill, it's like a snowball dropped off the top of a mountain that turns into an avalanche. It's better to try to stop it at the top of the mountain than it is to try to stop it in the valley with your hands up trying to stop an avalanche. And what ends up happening many times is we allow emotionalism to dictate to us and and then we override our logical thinking. This is the symbolic meaning of the Adam and Eve story metaphysically. Sensation or temptation comes to Eve, the feeling nature, not to Adam. And when the feeling gets to a certain space, it it convinces the intellect, the logical, critical thinking to go along with it. I'm sure you've had situations and circumstances in your life where you logically knew this. I shouldn't do this. But your feeling nature kept, kept, kept at it. We should do this. I want to experience this. I want to experience this. I want this. Whether It doesn't make a difference what it is, but you knew that it wasn't for your highest good. And sooner or later, your will gave permission to do it. And when the will gave permission to do it, you engaged in something that afterwards you felt naked and ashamed. But you don't feel that way when you're engaging in it initially. It's when when you come out of the emotionalism, then you realize, wow, maybe I shouldn't have did it that way. Maybe I shouldn't have handled that situation that way. Man, I knew better. Now what? You know, maybe I shouldn't have spent the car note money on some new shoes. Now what? You know, you know, maybe, you know, I, I should have paid the light bill instead of buying a PlayStation 4. Now what? Those are the things that trip us up. Now, back to the book. She writes, the power of your mind is identical with all other forms of power. And then she gives the example, the same power that pulls planets that manifest weather, et cetera, et cetera, is the same power that you're using in your mind. And she writes on page 45, your mind is the recipient and dispenser of power. It distributes the power that it receives from the mind of God. So you are both the inlet and the outlet of divine power, the one power. I am the inlet and outlet of divine power. That's a pretty good affirmation. I am the inlet and the outlet of divine power. I receive it and I express it. All right. Okay, back to the book. Page 46, she talks about studying. In the middle paragraph, she writes, study with these two facts in mind. The textbook suggests the knowledge that at some level now lies in your mind. Study induces a flow of thought. One of the reasons why we study is because it gets your mind critically thinking. Oh, I have a call. Um, Please put them in. Hey, are you live? Are you there? Hey. Hey, who am I speaking to? I don't hear Jeff. I don't hear. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Who who am I speaking to? All right. This is Judy. Hi, Judy. How you doing? I'm good. I have another question, um, and it's ahead of where you are. But, again, I'm calling because I wanted to... (laughs) Okay. To ask you before the hour is over. I was waiting and waiting. Um, can I speed ahead to page 50? Go right ahead. Okay. The last paragraph, the first few sentences state, you have found the silence a means of increasing your spiritual conceptions of life. Merely keeping still. Hello? Near outer quietude is not the silence. The true silence 
excludes materiality and is therefore a state of spherical consciousness and so forth. Okay, so really, mere outer quietude is not the silence? Correct. Keeping still is not the silence? Um, no. Um, she keeps throwing these things at me, and so I don't get that. Okay. Physical stillness is not the silence. Your mind can be physically, I mean, your body can be physically still and your mind all over the place. It's sort of like um, you can be physically still in, in the bed, head on the pillow, not moving any part of your body, but can't sleep because your mind is racing. So mm-hmm. people think, okay, I've physically stopped my body from moving. I'm meditating. No, you're not. Meditation, especially from the concept of how we teach it a new thought, is contemplative is contemplating on an idea which leads you mentally into a place of spiritual consciousness that is considered the silence. Meditation in and of itself isn't the silence. Meditation leads you to it. Oh. That's the difference. Now, I guess I, I guess I always thought that they were really pretty much one and the same. No, because in the okay. silence... In the silence comes the inspiration. In the silence comes the power. In the silence comes the wisdom and understanding, the the ideas that unfold themselves. That comes out of the silence, not from just your, your, your physical body being still. Now, obviously, it's great to be able to still the physical body. This mm-hmm. is why, um, I, you know, I tell people, you know, you know, get a routine and get some guided meditations that can help guide your process. It helps control the mind instead of just trying to say, I'm just going to sit here now still for an hour and try to think nothing. And then all of a sudden I got to go to the dry cleaners that I get the milk that I get the orange juice (laughs) or whatever, because that's what happens when we try to do nothing. The, 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 the silence is the state of consciousness that your contemplation guides you into. It's a, it's, it's a realization of the oneness. Uh, what I would suggest to the readers would be to go back to the book Lessons of the Truth. And I did some shows on this too. The two chapters, right. The Secret Place of the Most High and Finding the Secret Place of the Most High. Because, okay. you know, those two chapters, one explains the thing and then how you get there through the contemplation. So physical stillness is great, but that's not the silence. Prayer in and of itself just doing affirmations or denials or have or visualization with all of those things. That's not the silence. The silence is that, see, see, we run out of words when we try to use the silence. That's why they use the language. That's why scripture uses right. like the secret place of the most high, you know, or, you know, because there are no words to really explain it. As scripture says, uh, it wasn't in the tornado, the whirlwind, it wasn't in the earthquake, but it was in still small voice. What's a still small voice? Language doesn't give you what it is. You have to experience experience it. I like to say it this way. Um, it's when you know in the depth of your soul that you're connected. See, because you can get to that point and then come out of the silence and go about your day, but now that you're going about your day, you're doing it in a in a sense of being connected to God in you as you that's different than your normal levels of consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, 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 it's a different, you see differently, you talk differently, you behave differently because you've touched the him in you. The garment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. It's, okay. it's a All right, I'm going to go back to the suggestion you made on Lessons in Truth and read those two chapters. Yeah, and again, I did two shows. I taught the whole book, Lessons in Truth, so go back in the archives and check them out. Right, okay. All right. All righty. Yep. Thank you very much, Galen. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Now, bye. Okay, so I have about a minute and a half left, so I want to hit a couple of points because obviously, as I told people, I tell you right off the bat, I'm not going to teach all the chapters. Um, but I do want you to get the book so you can get all the information. And if you have a question about something that's not covered, do like Judy just did call in on page 48 and 49. She talks about seeking the kingdom first. 
and instead of trying to seek fragmented good. And I think it's really important for us to realize that we can seek first the kingdom. And if we have the kingdom, we have the health, the peace, the prosperity, the joy, the love and all that goes along. When we try to seek love, then put a hand on it, then try to seek prosperity and put a hand on it, and put a seek healing and put a hand on it. What ends up happening is we start playing a game of mental twister. When I take my hand off of this, now this is slipping. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. All right. Now, one last point. She gives some, again, affirmations on page 55, three affirmations to help you realize that you have the power to control your own life. These three affirmations are my consciousness is my life. In God, I live, move and have my being. In me, God lives, moves, and has expression. Again, my consciousness is my life. In God, I live, move, and have my being. In me, God lives, moves, and has expression. So that is your consciousness form. What are you? Keep reading the book. We're going to work through this material and get some breakthroughs in our lives. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful? Spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too. Malena Don and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Repeat the words, God is taking care of it, and it will become clear that you are the channel, and that God is the doer of good works through you. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Culture is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as modern popular culture transmitted via mass media and aimed particularly at younger people. But can it be meaningful? Spiritual even? The hosts of Pop Conscious think it can be and that it can be fun to explore too. 
Malena Don, and Stacy Macris Ross will be your amateur cultural anthropologists examining pop culture and spirituality every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on Pop Conscious on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.